Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to the program. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even old man, unflappable Rick is already rattled. I'm talking about a train wreck Friday. Yo, what's going on? Welcome to the show. My name is Jim Rome. There you go, Rit, settling in nicely. Casual dress Friday, and there's the old man sitting front and center, rocking a tie. At a boy, Rit, you're back already. Had his grip on. So what's up with you, Rit? The cat got your effing tongue? He said, hey, man, I got a lot going on. I'm like, oh, you got a lot going on. Welcome to my life, Rit. I got a lot going on, yo. Game on. Why is Rit acting like that? Because... Normally, once a week, he's got to sit that chair, except he's going back to back. It's lit! Because Alvy's got a vacation day. That is ridiculous. It really is. Alvy's got a vacation day every single Thursday, but he's got one on Friday, too. Rit, you got this. I know you do. Also, it's a Friday, so the big question is, I don't know because I haven't heard from Alvin because he's on vacation. Can Rit handle the week that was? He could barely handle getting us in and out of breaks. Could you imagine if I let Rit do the week that was? Ritz week that was. Mmm. Mmm. Week that was. Mmm. It's a good idea. I think I'm going to go right to your reaction even before the opening take. When do I ever do that? Let's see. Violent JC tweets. Any chance of a Gavin flameout reset for those of you who could not catch the third hour yesterday? All right, listen. You know what I always say? You miss a little, you miss a lot. Don't miss things. Don't miss hours. Don't miss days. What if I can't reset that? What if I don't want to reset that? What if I want you to listen every single day so you don't miss anything? Hell yes, I'm going to reset that. Of course I am. You know it. This one says, hey, Gavin, you little truant. I like playing the word game. I'm a wordsmith. There are things that I'm good at and there are things that I'm not so good at. Man, I am so good at words. Really good. I have a strong vocabulary. So I like to play that game. That That's a good word. Oh, I love that word. I use that word. Truant is a good word. I know because I'm a wordsmith. Hey, Gavin, you little truant. You shouldn't be playing hooky to listen to Rome. You should be in school learning how to read. Oh, Mikey. Mike and Snowbird. Gavin, that's going to hurt. That's going to leave a mark, and there's going to be a lot more marks. Believe me, that will not be the one and only scar. You should be in school learning how to read. Mike and Snowbird, that will make more sense when I get into that a little bit later on. This one reads, Dear Augusta National. Sorry, Augusta. Sorry, Rome. Sorry, Augusta. Sorry, Rome. Messing up there because I'm a stupid 27-year-old. Regards, Bryson DeChambeau's. Geoff and Lincoln. You know what? If I'm going to get to your reaction before I get to my own reaction and my own first take, it better be good reaction. That's good reaction. Oh my gosh. What is going on? Right? What is going on? Why don't we start with the Masters? Now, remember when Dustin Johnson won the Masters a few months back when he went 20 under? He went out, and he absolutely hammered that course. He had rounds of 65, 70, 65, 68. He torched it. Torched the track, flat out dominated it. Well, that same course said, you're not doing that again. You're not doing that next time. And DJ did not. 
The defending champ shot 74 yesterday, and that was the course, getting up off the mat and knocking the hell out of the defending champ. After doling out a beating a few months back, Johnson was the one who took that beating yesterday. And believe me, he was not the only one. In fact, if your name was not Justin Rose, there's a good chance that you got your face broken yesterday at Augusta. It was that brutal. It was brutal, but it was kind of awesome too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love when guys are throwing darts and going low, but there's also something to be said for a course fighting back and wrecking guys. And there was just no way, no way that the suits there, the golf gods, were going to let anybody go minus 20 in April the way they did in November or the way DJ did. So it was not just the scorecards that took punishment yesterday. There were lots of guys who seemed to get beaten down emotionally and psychologically as well. As an example, 2017 Masters champ Sergio Garcia shot 76 he compared it to getting his ass kicked in a title fight i fought hard but uh, i don't know i feel like just came out of the ring with uh, evander holyfield you know like a 12 round match <laughs> so uh, i need to uh, i need to go home and rest <laughs> really Serge? because evander came out of that quote 12 round match with half his ear gone <laughs> 2019 u.s open champ gary woodland Actually was thinking the exact same thing after he went out and shot 73. It's tough. I mean, I feel like I just got in the ring with Mike Tyson or somebody. It was, uh, it was brutal out there. There you go. In other words, that course was making almost everybody feel a little bit like Peter McNeely. You have a big dump in your pants. Of the entire field, only three guys shot in the 60s. Like, name your favorite golfer. He had himself a day. A bad day. And again, I'm talking about yesterday. Guys are out there right now and things have changed a little bit. But going back to yesterday, Jordan Spieth, for, for instance, came in with a ton of momentum. He shot 71 yesterday. But then again, that was a pretty damn good 71 when you consider he had a triple bogey on number nine. He shot a triple bogey on the front nine of the Masters and still came away with a 71 on a day like yesterday. So you can feel pretty good about that. Because everybody else was eating punches. Not pimento cheese sandwiches. It was all knuckle sandwiches. Hey, oh. Man, there is some serious pimento in that line. Serious cheese in that line. Anyway, check these numbers. Get a load of these numbers from yesterday. Brooks Kepka, 74. Phil Mickelson, 75. Zach Johnson, 77. Lee Westwood, 78. Matt Kuchar, 78. Patrick. Cantley, 79, my man. Dude, you know I hit him. You know I got down on him. It's my guy right there. Pride of the LBC. It's all right, Pat. You'll be back. But forget getting fitted for a green jacket. Some of the big names have work to do just to see the first tee on Saturday. After finishing 18 shots back of Dustin Johnson and one behind Bernard Longer in November, Bryson DeChambeau scienced his way to a 76. 76 and a tie with a 63-year-old Ian Woosnam. If I were doing the pod with Elk today as opposed to Elk midweek, and he had plenty to say about that guy, that he glossed science. Believe me, Elk would be like effing science. 
Didn't learn an effing thing after he effed his way up and down Magnolia Lane last time. Effing guy. Effing science. He's still doing it again. He angles. He went for everything. He tried to drive the green at three and made triple. He tried to hit it out of the deep muff at 13 on Thursday and made double. And he fought his way all around the course. And then he got rolled by a 65-year-old German, Bernard Langer, on Sunday. So science left with the tail between his legs. If science played like Tiger played or Jack, where he used his power on the fives and he learnt something from November and he laid up a few of these holes and played the angles. Mate, I don't know if science has the respect for the angles and they're going to get tricky this week and it's going to be interesting to see. But if science plays the way I think he could, he's right there at the top, mate. Mate, you called it. That was Elk earlier this week on the Jim Rohn Podcast. He called it, but that's how rough it was yesterday. Golfers were taking a beating, and so did science. I mean, if one of the most electric and physically dominant golfers on tour, a guy who's built like an NFL linebacker, ends up tied with a five foot four, 63-year-old guy named Woozy, that should tell you all you need to know. So what did science do in response? Science pulled out the protractor, and his compass, and a slide rule, and this is what science came up with. You need to understand how the ball flies off of downhill slopes into uphill greens, and conversely, uphill slopes into downhill greens, and all the above. We just can't calculate and adjust the numbers very well, and the wind's pretty tricky out here. And the greens are bouncing pretty hard, and there you go. That's what happened. Really, science? I don't know, science. See ball, hit ball. See ball, hit ball. See ball, hit ball straight. Speaking of guys who have no idea what the hell they're doing, I don't know. If I, if I were you, Science, do me a favor, man. Get back in the lab. Get right. And then maybe I'll get back on that bandwagon, man. You're making me look bad, dude. You just are. And then you got other guys who have no idea what the hell they're doing. And maybe it's Science or maybe it's something else. But guys who have no idea what the hell they're doing or where the hell they're hitting it. Like Rory McIlroy, for example. His day was so ugly, he actually dotted his own dad. From the left rough. Right. Oh, it's hit some board page. <laughs> In fairness, it was where I was I was trying to turn it off. It was a perfect shot, it was dead straight. Um, but I, I think he was okay. I don't think he, uh, he didn't limp away. He walked away pretty swiftly, so that was all right. This guy hit his dad. Hey, Rit, get ready to run that again. I want to make sure that I heard that correctly. I think I hear, right! Far right! From the left rough. Right. Oh, it's hit some board page. <laughs> so, so you hear him yell, right! Rory should have been like, dad! Dad! Got dotted. He dotted his own dad. And then made a light or made a joke of it by saying, quote, I think he was okay. He didn't limp away. He walked away pretty swiftly. I'm not sure what's worse. Hitting your old man with an approach or saying that it was actually a pretty perfect shot. Which is what he said. He said it was a good shot. Or reminding everybody, quote, he didn't limp away. He walked away pretty swiftly. Like, in other words, dude's not going at the pin. He's going at his old man. And if he brains him, it's actually a good shot. And he did. He said as much afterwards. It was a good shot. Yeah, but you hit your old man. Yeah, but it was a good shot. 
All right, then by that logic, they ought to get rid of the flag and let the old man stand in the hole and then shoot at him. Shoot at his head. It's a good shot because, quote, he didn't limp away. He walked away pretty swiftly. In other words, walk it off, old man. Reminds me of the chatter that you get at Logan Rome's high school baseball games. Cracks me up every single time. Like yesterday, you saw me post a couple of his RBI base hits. And by the way, in full transparency, man, we got our asses kicked. We got rolled up. I didn't show the scoreboard. Notice that. Notice I didn't show you how meaningless those RBI base hits were. Just the videotape. Go to my Instagram stories. I have things like that. If you're not following me on Instagram, you're missing the inside information, the inside video, the inside Rome family stuff. Check it out. Anyway, one of my favorite things about high school baseball is the chatter that goes on in high school baseball. Like, for instance, yesterday, one of our kids dotted one of their kids, and their whole dugout loved it. Like, yes, sir! Yes, sir! Don't rub it! Don't rub it! It cracks me up every single time. And in effect, when you hit a guy and the other dugout loves it and they're screaming, yes, sir, don't rub it, it means that your guy doesn't throw very hard. It means the other guy didn't get hurt. Kyle Porter from CBS, who was walking with Rory's group, tweeted after Pops was hit that Rory laughed and said, quote, should I ask for an autographed glove? That got back to Rory, and then Rory added this. He's seen me sign plenty of stuff over the years, so I think that's the least of his worries. I think he just needs to go and put some ice on Maybe autograph a bag of frozen peas for him. Got to hand it to Roars, man. Like, this guy can't play a lick right now, but he still manages to maintain his sense of humor. Then again, I'd be funny as hell, too, if I had a few hundred mil in the bank. He's like, hey, Dad, mix in some ice, ice. in ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. So when practically the entire field is taking shots, like Rory's old man, exactly how did Justin Rose go out there and shoot seven under, 65? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the guy. I know he's a major winner, a former world number one, multiple second place finishes at the Masters. But we are talking about a guy who has not won in two years, a guy who cracked the top 30 in just one of five starts this year, a guy who had to go WD at Bay Hill, Four holes in with that bad back. And he started yesterday two over through seven. And then on a day when nobody else could get anything going, he got the whole damn thing going. Eagle on eight. Birdies on nine and ten. It got him to two under. Would have been great round in and of itself yesterday, but he wasn't done. He played 12 through 17 and five under. He went nine under on the last 11. And he made it sound all pretty easy. I kind of knew two over through seven is not the end of the world, but I also knew that, you know, you're going in the wrong direction. You can't win the golf tournament today, even with the 65. You can't win it today. You can only probably lose it today, obviously. So, a lot of guys lost it yesterday. He looked like he was going to early on. Then he got it going. However, that was yesterday. And today is today. A tradition like no other. The jungle. And hitting your dad with an errant golf shot and insisting that it was a good shot. Hey, you know what? Small changes towards a healthier lifestyle can add up in a big way. But maybe you're not sure where to begin. Let me talk to you about Grove Collaborative. 
Running to the store has been pretty stressful of late, and there's nothing worse than forgetting something on your list and needing to make multiple trips. Shopping for home essentials should be easy and convenient, and that's where Grove Collaborative comes in. Healthy, plant-based, non-toxic cleaning products that work, and the good ones are actually more enjoyable to use. But where do you start and who do you trust? Grove Collaborative. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. Grove Collaborative takes the guesswork out of going green. Browse the site for thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products, all guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and your planet. So join over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier, and shipping is fast and free on your first order. Making the switch to natural products has never been easier. For a limited time, when you go to grove.co slash roam, you will get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co slash roam to get your exclusive offer. That's grove.co slash roam. I'm live and I'm in Southern California and I am a resident of Wisconsin. You know this. Welcome back, and with that said, I'm very happy to say I am joined by the University of Wisconsin Athletic Director. He has served as AD there since 2004. During his time as Athletic Director, Wisconsin has won 16 national titles, 74 conference regular season or tournament titles. He was the head football coach there from 1990 to 2005. He led the Badgers to three Big Ten titles, three Rose Bowl wins as head coach. He is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He did announce his retirement effective June 30th. I'm joined by Barry Alvarez. Barry, it's great to have you back. How are you, Barry? I'm great, Jim. How are you doing? I'm so good. I'm so good, and it's great to have you on. So, Barry, Tuesday, it became official that you were stepping down as AD at the end of June. Let me start right there. What led to the decision, and what made you feel like this was the right time to do so? Yeah, Jim, actually, I was going to do it uh, January of last year after uh, the last football season. But with the pandemic, I just didn't feel it was right to to turn the program over to someone new and, and give them the burden of, of getting through it. So I visited with the chancellor, told her I would stay on and uh, until we got through this. And it looks like we're, we're moving through the back end of it. At, at least I hope so anyhow, but uh, it, it was time. I'm 74 years old and it's time to pass the baton on. I got it. Barry Alvarez joining us. Now, Barry Tuesday, the official Twitter account posted a photo of you in front of all the trophies that have been won in your time there. 16 teams have won national championships in your tenure. The photo itself is amazing. In fact, I'm going to say it's a really badass photo. It's like the ultimate scoreboard. What do all the trophies mean to you? Well, it talks about the the consistency of our program and, and the depth of our program. Uh, you know, it all starts by you have to win in football. You have to fill the stadium. Uh, football is going to be 80% of your budget, and it allows everyone else to, uh, to have a budget that allows them to compete. But uh, it, it talks about the coaches that we've, we, we've hired and the type of kids that they recruit, how they represent us. Um, it, it talks about, you know, the, the, the totality of the program. Um, and I, I couldn't be more proud of it. 
Barry Alvarez is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He announced his retirement effective on June 30th. You know, Barry, I look at that photo, and it would certainly indicate that Wisconsin Athletics is a powerhouse now. However, take us back to when you first arrived as head coach. In the four years before you arrived, the football team had won a total of nine games. You yourself had a really good thing going at Notre Dame. What made you take that job with Wisconsin when you did? Jim, I, I wanted to be – my goal was to, to, to be a head coach. Division One. I really patterned my career after my college coach, Bob Devaney at Nebraska, who I really admired. Uh, you know, I even started out as a high school coach like he did. And, um, you know, he took a program that was down, turned it around, uh, built it, sustained it, took the athletic director's job, built the athletic program. And um, that, that's what I always wanted to do. And we were able to come into Wisconsin. I, I felt and I said when I took the job, I thought it was a sleeping giant. Uh, one division one school that plays football in the state. Uh, it was good. You know, they played good athletics here, uh, yet the good players were leaving the state. I thought I had a good plan, uh, to correct that. I knew I was going to put a good staff together. I knew the big 10. Uh, I love Madison. I love the state of Wisconsin. I just thought it was right. And, uh, and seemed to, seemed to work out pretty well. Seemed to work out pretty well. Barry Alvarez joining us. Now, you knew it was not going to be easy, and it wasn't in the early years. Barry, that first season, the team went 1-10. and And as you've said, quote, on Monday, I would have to go in and meet with assistant coaches, then the team, and I'd have to walk in. I'd have to be confident, but before I had to walk in there, I'd curl up in my office in the fetal position, aching I was hurting so bad, end of quote. So what were the early days really like? Well, you know, when you take over, I left Notre Dame. Actually, you know, we had success at Iowa. Uh, Lou Holtz uh, recruited me to Notre Dame, and, and it, uh, my second year there, he made me the coordinator. We won, I think, 25 of 26 games, including a national championship. And um, you think it's all your coaching. You forget it was, it was the players. Uh, but, you know, we just, we just didn't, we didn't inherit enough players. We just weren't good enough. We couldn't move the ball on offense. We could compete on defense but we you know we just need better players I, I knew I could hire staff that really could go out and recruit you know the, I had a month to recruit after I took the job before signing day and the class that we recruited ended up being the nucleus of the Rose Bowl team in 93 so um, you know it's you have to have a plan and we had a good plan to, to, to get it done and I had to write people around me to help Barry Alvarez joining us. And then, Barry, you got to motivate guys, right? you got to recruit guys, then you got to motivate and you got to lead. For instance, Joe Panos, who played for you in the early 90s, told The Athletic, and it's a great quote, if you ask everyone who played for Barry Alvarez, we believe in that man, we'd follow him to the gates of hell and really think that we had a shot to kick the devil's ass. End of quote. It's such a great quote. First of all, what's it mean to hear that from him? And secondly, how were you able to give those guys that level of confidence? Uh, it feels he's. I, I've said all along he's the greatest captain that we ever had here, and he's the one that really uh, allowed. You know, he followed everything that I said. What he said, he meant. Um, but you know, Jim, one of my theories and, and one of the things I believe in, I, I'm a fairly confident person, and the thing when they had an edge, regardless of who they played, I, I wanted them to think that they were coached better that there's something that I would give them throughout the week that they thought they had an advantage on whoever they played. And that's the way they went into games. 
Barry Alvarez joining us. You know, he had another great story for The Athletic, which was before the Illinois game, Barry, back in 93. You had a chance to go to the Rose Bowl with a win. Pano said that Illinois coach Lou Tepper was talking some junk and that Illinois was just not showing you guys a whole lot of respect. He says that you got everybody fired up before the game and then ended with, quote, and after the game, I'm walking up to the 50-yard line and I'm going to kick Lou Tepper's ass, end of quote. What do you remember about that moment in that team and that day? Well, I'd say I'd say anything to get my team cranked up, and I knew that would that would fire them up. I lose a little guy, you know, so that was that wasn't a very bold statement, but uh, right. I'd say anything to get my guys cranked up. You know, in '93, you win ten games, you break the school record for most wins in a season. It was a record that stood for more than ninety years. And then, Barry, since 93, the program has had 13 10-win seasons. You know, when you think about where you started, what you inherited, I understand that you had a plan. I understand that you had confidence. But how much pride do you take in the fact that you were able to completely change the standard and the expectations for Wisconsin football? Uh, you know, that, that's one of the things I, I take most pride in. You know, you, you watch a lot of schools. Uh, they have a great season. Then the bottom falls out. You see a lot of uh, – brand name schools around the country who've won national championships uh, have every advantage in the world because of their tradition where they're located in hotbeds of high school football and and you see them take dips over the last since the time uh, you're talking since 93 yet we really haven't taken a dip the consistency you know we talked about building a program with a good foundation that would last and that's exactly what we've been able to do, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of that. Barry Alvarez is joining us for a few more moments. Barry, I want to talk to you for a minute about Anthony Davis. He played for you in the early 2000s. He also told The Athletic that he still gets choked up when he thinks about how you responded to September 11th. He had family on the East Coast. He was unable to connect with them, but you stopped practice, and you asked every guy from the East Coast about their family. What he And he always talks about that to this day. What do you remember about that time? Well, that was, uh, I, I can remember getting ready to come out to practice and, and someone in, in one of the offices yelled at me to come in here. The, the players were in meetings and I went in and I saw the plane, uh, the plane, uh, going into the world trade center. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm thinking somebody just declared war on us. That's the first thing that came to my mind. And then you, you started seeing what was happening. And I, and I had a number of, of players from the East coast. So that's the first thing that, that I addressed with them and, and wanted to make sure that they contacted their people. And we did everything we can uh, to help them get through that because I knew how emotional it was and, and could have been and, and uh, how concerned all of them were and all of us were concerned. So um, I, the first thing I always, I, I was concerned and, and care about my kids, care about the players and their well-being. And, and that's just a just an example. Barry Alvarez, my guest. Barry, I would say to you that that was the way you handled your program and you cared about your players, and that's an example of that. But I would even go and extend this further because the the Badger family is so expansive, and I've now experienced this firsthand. And I can really say this because you and I used to have conversations, always great conversations when you coached, and you were always great about coming on the program, and you were always accessible to us, and I always enjoyed that, but I didn't fully understand, right, until we sent our son to to Wisconsin and he's a sophomore right now and the
And the whole process started because when I mentioned it on the air that we were looking for a college, all of a sudden the Badger Nation, the Badger Mafia came to the forefront. Now, you went to Nebraska. You were at Notre Dame. You were at Iowa. You've been in other places, even though you've been in Wisconsin for more than 30 years. Can you help me explain what is so exceptional and so unique about this family? Because everybody loves their school, but Wisconsin and Badger Nation truly is different. You know, it's interesting. I just had Mike Tannenbaum uh, in the office today. He was bringing his daughter through. Uh, you know, they're, they're from down in Miami and uh, showing his daughter the campus who wants to come to school here. And I told her, I said, I don't know anyone who's come to school here uh, and gone or gone to school here that it doesn't absolutely love this place, love Madison, love the university. When you leave here with a degree, you have a world-class degree. Uh, Donna Shalala said it best. Our students compete extremely hard during the week and party very hard during the weekend. So uh, they're going to get an education. They're going to compete, but they're going to enjoy themselves at the same time. I've had three children go to school here. Uh, my third grandchild is going to school here, and uh, I love it, and I'm proud of it, and I'm proud of the school. I love it. It's really funny that that's, that statement that you just made is the exact statement that I used when I said to my son Jake, like he had, had it in his head. Barry, he wanted to go to NYU. And I said, listen, you got to go somewhere with a college experience. And I said the exact same thing. Literally everybody that I've ever spoken to that went to Wisconsin absolutely loved going there. I've never met anybody who didn't love it. Last thought, when I was in the press box for the Rose Bowl, not your favorite day, of course. That was a tough day, but I saw your grandkids. What's it like being a grandfather? Well, I've got eight grandkids. I've had two of them play for us. Um, it's really, it, it's truly special uh, to be able to watch your grandkids uh, playing on the field and, and competing. But I've got a granddaughter that's a freshman right here right now, and to see her to get get through, you know, work her way through uh, the pandemic and, and that type of thing, um, it, it is awesome. Um, and then I've got, you know, I've got grandkids all the way from seven up to twenty five, and and. Uh, I'll be able to spend a little more time with the young ones now after I retire. That's the whole point. He served as AD since 2004, did announce the retirement. It's effective on June 30th. He is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, a Badger legend. He is Barry Alvarez. Barry, promise me this won't be our last conversation. Congrats on an amazing career, and I really do always appreciate the access, the relationship, and the fact that you always made it a point to come on this show. Absolutely, and you can count on me being back, Jim. Absolutely. Love it, Barry. Thanks so much, Barry Alvarez. If you have anything to do with that university, you know what an icon and a legend Barry Alvarez is. You know, The Athletic did a whole write-up, and the point was made that you'd be hard-pressed to find any single individual that had a bigger bigger or a greater impact on an athletic program, a single individual that had a greater impact on an athletic program than Barry Alvarez did Wisconsin. And I don't think that I can refute that at all. An absolute icon and legend of the game, Barry Alvarez. You can tell I was looking forward to that. And I'm really happy with how that went. When you call a Dell Technologies advisor, you are talking to somebody who is not waiting for their turn to speak. No, they actually want to hear what you have to say. They're focused on you, ready to give advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and offer tailored solutions powered by Intel vPro platform to keep your small business ready for what's next. Our advisors listen so you know your small business needs have been heard. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877 877- Ask Dell. Rome, 
Mr. Alvarez is nothing but pure class. We are so lucky to have had him. His legacy lives on forever. Thanks, Norman Madison. That I, Everybody in Madison would say that. You have to understand what an absolute legend Barry Alvarez is. And if it sounded like, damn, Rome, like you were kind of fawning. Well, yes, I was. Guilty. But when I said, and normally I do not editorialize in the form of a question, but when I said to him, Barry, that picture on Twitter of you standing in front of the national championship trophies is badass. That's fawning a little bit, but it is badass. Go find that picture. It looks amazing. And Sean Beasy tweets, the Dodgers are cheating? No way. Signed 140-pound Justin Turner with the Mets. Max Muncy's Oakland A's career. And Chris Taylor working at Home Depot. I didn't say they were cheating. I said they collected a bunch of Trevor Bauer's baseballs that may have foreign substances on them. We haven't even gotten into that yet. Dear Jim, message to Gavin. If you're beat, then stay down. If you're a badass, get up. Not the first time you'll get punched or the last. Joe and Eugene. See, that's the thing, right? As I mentioned, everybody gets their ass kicked. The biggest, baddest dudes ever get their ass kicked. Everybody. Mike Tyson got his ass kicked. He was the baddest man in the history of the world. It happens to everybody. However, there is something to be said, right? Like, where do you draw the line? If you keep trying to get up, you might keep getting your head stomped on. And then maybe you'll be dead. Or maybe you get up and you live to fight another day and you're better for it. I have thoughts on this. And I will tell Gavin what to do and advise him a little bit later on. At Joel Harm 73 tweets, This dude is a freaking psycho. He drinks hot chocolate. He likes Huey Lewis. He was a commissioner of an adult kickball league, and he wears a tie with a polo. Garrett Ritt, you are the walking definition of a kook. Mm. That right there is a perfect tweet, and it's all accurate, Ritt, frankly. (laughs) That was an amazing tweet. All right, let's go to the phones. It's a good phone day. They're all lined up. Let's go to the Bay. CJ in the Bay. What's up, brother? So, Cal Jim, dancing on graves is not something I enjoy, but after you deemed that kid on the watch list, it was really my Draymond Colin Duran after 2016 moment. I knew it was time to go get it, so here I am. So let's not lose sight of the fact that yesterday we heard the new Matt in Cleveland moment, and it was epic, but I'm still looking for that cat from Corona. Have you put your shirt on yet, son? I admit, B.I. Creepy is a legend, just like the aforementioned Durant. KD is an icon, but can you remember a guy that great being that sensitive? Sack up, my dude. Another question, why do clones insist on taking a run at Hawk or Rid? These are solid dudes grinding, helping to create content. It's as tired as Goat Talk or Mount Rushmore segments, but I do have a sidebar. Here's my jungle Mount Bitchmore. Creepy Brad. Mark in Hollywood, Silk Undies, Bud Ugly, Matt in L.A. The worst thing that ever happened to these SoCal clones is the Internet. Now I can see their faces, and I know for a fact I'd slap the hell out of them and feed them their beards after I chopped them up like Lorena. War, Bake Nation, and Buster Posey taking his ball and going away. Forever. Outro! 
CJ in the Bay. You know what's funny about that? Mount Bitchmore. Two of them are on hold right now. You know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to put no cow CJ on the watch list. CJ, you are on the watch list. I don't know if that was your intent. I don't know if that means anything to you. You are on the smack off watch list. You're not in yet. But I like what I hear. I think you're a guy that can make that show better that day. And there's not very many people I can say that about. If I'm saying that the best of the best, invite only, appear on that day, and I'm saying I think that you might make that day better, that's saying something. You're on the watch list. You're not there yet. CJ in the Bay. And especially if I'm letting somebody from NoCal onto the watch list. Because NoCal does not like SoCal. SoCal doesn't give a damn about NoCal. We just don't. All right? Amy Trask and I, I've said this before. Every time she sees me, Amy's great. Amy is so smart. And Amy, I have profound respect for Amy. Starting with her intellect. But she always says to me, Jim, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you nailed that. I'm such a fan, Jim, but you nailed that early on. Because Amy's from Los Angeles and she went to Berkeley and she knows I'm right. No, Cal, we don't give a damn about you. We never have. And you hate our guts. Everybody hates L.A. Everybody hates L.A. Boston hates L.A. Philly hates L.A. San Diego hates L.A. Everybody hates L.A., but nobody hates L.A. more than Frisco. Frisco, we don't give a damn about you. We don't care about anybody. I'm not even in L.A. anymore, and I can front for that. Let's go to, oh, look who's here. Look who's here. I was thinking about this guy of late. Hasn't come around. Here he is today, right to the front of the line. We go to Buffalo. Rick, brother, what's going on, Rick? Hi, everything's going great, Jim. It's been a little while. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, dude. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. First of all, congrats on the new reinvention podcast. I'm thinking Mike and Indy and Mark and Boston should tune in and try to reinvent themselves as good callers. And I've really gotten a kick out of this Gavin character. Kid's an idiot, but I kind of like him. Now I know you're taking a beating, little man, but all hope isn't lost. Lucky for you, the 22-time National Teacher of the Year resides right here in the jungle. And my life's work involves transforming dumb teenagers into productive young adults. So tell your mom to slide into my DMs. And I'm sure we can strike up a deal. And as you know, Jim, the Bills have been busy this offseason re-signing their own guys. Future Hall of Famers like Milano, McKenzie, and Butker have decided to stay in Buffalo Not only because of the culture, not only because of the bustling city, but mostly because of me. When my man Matt was asked why he stayed for a discount, he said, and I quote, Well, that's simple. All the beautiful women I score when I hit the town with Rick. And lastly, Jim, I heard that Jeremiah in Green Bay came in and announced it was smack off season. Maybe it's just me, but don't you have to be invited to something in order to announce its arrival? What's next? Caleb announcing it's the start of bikini season. And great line about me going wide right every time I hit the master bedroom. But turns out you're right, big guy. 
Cause once I take care of business in the master, I hang a quick right where your old lady's waiting for me in the spare. And trust me, once I'm in there, I split the uprights every time. Hey ho! War! Rory taking out his old man. I couldn't be more proud. War Trapper and Dana Point, gone but never forgotten. On war, my in-laws serving me cold eggs on Easter morning. Just when I thought I couldn't hate those a-holes anymore. Thanks for the vine, Jim. I'm out. My man, Rick and Buffalo. A perfect jungle call. A perfect 10. Give me an A or give me an F. A plus. Tell your mom to slide into my DMs. You're right, Caleb. I do go far right. As soon as I'm done taking care of business in the master, then I go to the right and I take care of your old lady or your mom. And then I split the uprights. Rick in Buffalo. I miss that guy so much. I love that guy. Hey, Romy, don't play favorites. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. He is one of the greatest phone callers to this program, any program ever. Ever. He makes it so much better. See, now that guy, as good as he is, he has never won at all. Part of the reason for that, the aforementioned and recently glossed B.I. Creepy. And I don't know why. I mean, I understand why you want to take a run at that guy. I was going to say, why would you take a run at B.I. Creepy? I know why. You want to make a name for yourself. You think, yeah, I know what I'll do. I'll go right out into the middle of the yard, and I'll find the biggest bully in the yard, and I'll punch him right in the face. And then I'll be the man. I mean, CJ, you can try that. You can try that. Guys have tried that. It generally does not go very well for them. However, it did get you on the watch list. Gimmicky little bitch. And then you had Rick, who is a monster call. We've racked him back to back. Let's keep going. This guy has already won a smack off. No matter how much you hate that, no matter how much you disagree with that, you cannot take that from him. He will always have that. He's calling today, but not from the beach, but from the mountains. And not just any mountain, but famous Mammoth Mountain. And he and I live not too far from one another. Everybody here goes to Mammoth Mountain, especially for spring break. Let's go there right now. Silk bra. Also have not heard from the bra in quite some time. What's up, Silk? What's up, bra? It is epic up here, bra. It's going to be close to 60 today, bra. Just cruising. Um, some of them tough guys in NoCal, bra. That's when they do something. Dude, why are you banging? You keep hitting your keypad. Silk bra, you keep hitting your keypad. What's up? Sorry, bra. I got it. Is that good? Yeah, better. Go ahead. All right, bra. Uh, I got my hood up to keep the breeze off, so... Telephone tough guys in NoCal, forget about those kooks, bruh. I'm looking down on them from the beautiful eastern Sierras. Um, shout out to Gavin. Don't worry about it, dude. The JTP really loves you. They act like they don't. I should know, man. The JTP loves some silk, bruh. These guys, a bunch of kooks, but they actually love the guys who call the show. Um, San Diego's been getting a little chesty lately, bruh. I get it. You know, the Padres are finally doing something, but it's getting all their opinions out there, and i got to push back a little, bruh. First, the Spanoses aren't the worst owners ever. They're not the greatest. You guys screwed over. NFL said build a stadium. We'll give you the Super Bowl every three years. What'd you guys do? You like being your sleepy lagoon, bruh. 
you guys like being second-class citizens. The beaches are beautiful. You guys are all kooks. They were going to pay for half of it, put it on the ballot, tourism tax. You guys wouldn't even let the whole county vote. You guys are a bunch of chumps in San Diego. In the hypocrisy, brass. Padre Management says, build us a downtown stadium, help pay for it, and we'll compete every year. Look it up, clones. See how long Petco's been there. By the way, it is a beautiful stadium because every time the Dodgers play there, it's three-quarters full with Dodger fans. And Chesty uh, Padre fan, you're no rival to the Dodgers. It's funny. We like riding the Pacific uh, the coaster, bro. We cruise down, we hang out. Let me boil the history of the Padres down to three things. One, you ruined the career of one of the greatest hitters of all time. Big waste. Number two, you appropriated an ACDC song for a closer. And number three, you took our Hall of Fame, should be Hall of Fame, cast off and turned him into a chick pumper alone, brah. Now he's disgraced. Unbelievable, these coos in San Diego. Listen, brah, I'm about to head over to the bar, grab a cocktail, but I'll be thinking about you. I'll be listening, brah. I got my earbuds in. I'll be checking the show all day. Love you, brah. Dude, that was his best call in a long, long time. One of his best calls ever. That might have been better than his smack-off winning call. My man's got to be up there at Mammoth, Mount, Mammoth Mountain. He said it's like 60 degrees. I'm not sure if it's icy. I'm not sure if it's slushy. But I guarantee the bra is probably out there shredding in a bathing suit. Springtime, man. SoCal Mountains. Weather's beautiful. When I was a kid, I used to ski in Mammoth Mountain. That is a famous, legendary mountain. All right, that was a great phone segment. I'm telling you, when I pick my spots and the right guys call, it works, and it works well. CJ to Rick to Silk Bra, annihilating America's finest city. San Diego, I mean, seriously, are you going to take that? I'm not going to stick up for you. I could. I love San Diego. I got my big break in San Diego. I met my future wife in San Diego. I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. That's on you. You do it, San Diego. Are you literally going to let that guy pound on you the way he just did? Because if you do, that's on you. We are joined right now by an NFL Network analyst. A 12-year career in the National Football League as a player and a scout. Founder of Big Play Football. Head coach at Granada Hills Charter High School host of the Move the Sticks podcast along with Daniel Jeremiah. You can follow him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. Bucky Brooks is my guest. Bucky, it's great to have you back. How are you? Man, I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. All right, so over the past few weeks, there have been a number of trades involving teams that will be picking in the top 10. Let me start right here, Bucky. What was your reaction to the Panthers making that move for Sam Darnold, and then what does that mean to them going into the draft? You know, Jim, this is a case of, like, beauty is always in the eye of the beholder. And so what happens a lot in our business, um, scouts fall in love with prospects during the pre-draft process, and they hold on to those feelings even after guys go into league. And what you see is, in Carolina, they still have an affinity for Sam Donald based on how he performed at USC. And even though he got sideways for him in New York, they believe they have the environment around him to allow him to thrive. And when I talked to some former Jets coaches about Sam Donald, they said, hey, he got sideways for Sam Donald because Adam Gase put too much on his plate. He basically expected him to play like Peyton Manning, and it was too much for Sam. When you took some of those things off his plate at the end of 2019, Sam Donald played better. In Carolina, they will put an infrastructure around him that will get him to play more like he played at USC 
quick rhythm passing game, heavy reliant on the run with Christian McCaffrey and those wide receivers. And that will give us an opportunity to see the best of Sam Darnold. Now, I don't know what that best will stack up to, but I think he will have uh, a better showing, a better chance of success than he had in New York. I think that's really interesting that guys would see a guy the same way that they saw him when they first saw him in college. And then if you get him in a different situation, that you might still have that guy or something close to it. Bucky Brooks joining us. So, Bucky, it seems like a foregone conclusion that Trevor Lawrence is going to go to Jacksonville and that Zach Wilson will go to the Jets. When you look at Lawrence, what kind of a quarterback do you see? Uh, I see Justin Herbert all over again. Um, I see Justin Herbert plus. That's how I've described him. I think Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence have very similar attributes, very similar games from their size to the way they go about playing. I think Trevor Lawrence maybe has a little more sizzle to his game, but I think you will see very, very similar production and performance from Trevor Lawrence. I think the thing that is Trevor Lawrence's selling point to top evaluators is not just what he does on the field, it's who he is. The football character, the leader that he is, the maturity that he displayed, how he's handled always being on the big stage. I think because he has always passed those tests with flying colors, I think the Jaguars feel great about him being their franchise quarterback. Bucky Brooks is joining us. All right, Bucky, so what about Justin Fields? And let me ask you about him and the 49ers. They've got the third pick. They've got options. But there's been a lot of talk about Fields recently. Now, you know how the draft evaluation process goes. Every single year, there's certain prospects who seem to get a lot of heat, a lot of criticism, and generally it's anonymous. What do you make of how that's played out this year as it relates to Fields? I mean, I don't like it. Like I, I like it better when people are able to put very specific critiques on his game instead of the general things. Because what happens is when it's Justin Fields and it's a – a non-white quarterback, what happens is you have kind of like these same stereotypical answers or analysis that floats. And so if you want to say that Justin Fields um, isn't necessarily the best when it comes to reading progressions or he hasn't been the hardest worker or those things, because of the cloud that hangs over black quarterbacks when it comes to those things and how it has always kind of been the stereotypical lazy analysis, you have to be able to levy those critiques with some solid support. So you can be like, oh, here's what Sentence said about him. Because when you just float it out there, it does seem like you're picking on Justin Fields. Here's what I say about Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields was on the stage for too long because it's really easy for people to get caught up in the Johnny come lately. We've seen Zach Wilson kind of ride the magic carpet ride to being arguably the number two pick in the draft. We've seen people get hot and heavy on Mac Jones of late. The thing about Justin Fields is I would say that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields have always been QB1 and QB2 from the time they were in high school. He has performed at a high level at every place. He performed at a high level at Ohio State. We've seen him play in big games. And so I think he could actually be the guy that we go back and look at a YouTube and we treat Justin Fields much like we treat Justin Herbert. When all of the criticism was on Justin Herbert this time last year, we changed that once we saw him play. I think we'll do the same thing with Justin Fields. Bucky Brooks breaking it all down. So will we do that with him in the Niners offense? And how do you like that fit of Fields in a Kyle Shanahan offense if that's the way that plays out? Hopefully. I think that should be the way that Kyle Shanahan goes because I know there's a lot of conversation about Matt Jones based on what Kyle Shanahan did with Kirk Cousins, what he was able to do with Matt Schaub, even Matt Ryan. The thing was two of those guys were mid-round draft picks. Um, Matt Ryan was great, but he has some limitations. I think Kyle Shanahan stood on the sideline when his team lost the Super Bowl to Pat Mahomes. And he's sitting there seeing Pat Mahomes 
make Andy Reid look great, even when the play calls aren't the right play calls. I would think that you give up a bunch of picks to get someone who can erase some of your mistakes, not someone that you're basically using as a joystick to play a video game from the sideline. I would just think that Kyle Shanahan would want more, more athleticism, more improvisational playmaking ability than what Mac Jones could offer at that position. We're talking to Bucky Brooks. So, Bucky, when you look at Mac Jones then, I mean, do you see a guy who's a top-five pick? No, I don't. I don't. And that's not to disparage Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones can be a first-round pick. I think Mac Jones can be a solid starter in this league. I think Mac Jones uh, potentially could kind of leave you wanting like Jared Goff left Sean McVay wanting, right? Because when you look at certain guys, they can take you to a point in terms of with your offense, but because they don't have either A-plus arm talent or they don't have exceptional athleticism, they can't give more. And so that puts a lot of pressure on you as a play caller to get it right. And when you think about Mac Jones playing at Alabama and all the things that were around him, we've never really seen him have to elevate uh, an offense or have to really deal with serious adversity. I would just steer clear, would be a little leery on expecting him to be a high-end franchise quarterback when I just don't know if he has any special talents that will enable him to do so. Bucky Brooks joining me for a couple of more moments before that hard out. You mentioned Goff. Bucky, you and DJ were talking on your podcast recently about the Lions making that deal involving Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff earlier in the offseason. So let me ask you about Goff. In, in your eyes, is that the quarterback of their future, or could you see them drafting a quarterback this year or next? You know, I'm different because, like, I actually like Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is a really good player. And I liken Jared Goff to Matt Ryan. Uh, when he was coming out of Cal, I felt like they were very, very similar in terms of comps. When Jerry Goff is protected and things are clean, he can light you up. We've seen it. He led the Rams to a Super Bowl. And I don't think that's an easy feat. I don't care what we think about Sean McVay and his brilliance. Jerry Goff was the one that was playing, and he got them to the Super Bowl. So he deserves credit for that. In Detroit, I think it's interesting with Anthony Lynn and also the number of former players that are on that coaching staff I think they will have a different level of gratitude and appreciation for Jared Goff's game because they understand the difficulty of playing the position at that level. I think he's going to be fine in Detroit. I think they'll investigate and see if somebody kind of falls within range. I think they would like to play this out with Jared Goff being the quarterback for the next year or two while they build up the rest of the team. And then if at that point he's proven that he can't get it done, then you move off of him. But I think he gets every opportunity to be the QB1 for a long time in Detroit. Good stuff. One last question, Bucky. It seems like the last few years that there's been a quality receivers coming into the NFL and have moved on to a new level. So let me ask you about one guy on the way out the door. What are your thoughts on Jamar Chase? Uh, I like Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is real. Um, his explosiveness, his athletic ability, the way he wins 50-50 balls down the field, you have to like that. He's a very polished player. And I think as much as we loved Justin Jefferson a, a year ago and what he was able to do as a rookie, remember, Jamar Chase was the number one receiver on that team that had Justin Jefferson. So that speaks to his talent and his impact potential. I would expect him to be a star in the league. He is an NFL Network analyst. He spent 12 years in the NFL as a player and a scout. He is the founder of Big Play Football. He's the head coach at Granada Hills Charter High School, host of one of my favorite podcasts, Move the Sticks podcast, along with one of my favorite guys, DJ in fact, Bucky, you are too. Great to have you back on the show, Bucky. Thanks so much. Great job. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Jim. Good talking to you, Bucky. Much respect. Bucky and DJ are two of my favorite guys. They've got great chemistry. It's a great podcast and incredible insight, great information. Just absolute pros both, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah. Hope you enjoyed that.
Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. This time, though, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire, and it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Friday is a big head day. Now, regarding the big head himself and big head bets, you might think to yourself, no football, no college basketball. Yeah, well, you know what? No problem. No problem as it relates to big head bets. I'm telling you, we will find other things to get down with. If it moves and we can get action on it, we are going to hit it. Of course we're going to get down. No football, no problem. No college basketball, no problem. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Watch the association just for the sake of the game and the world-class athletes? Ah! I understand that the Masters is a tradition unlike any other. But are we supposed to watch that with only a rooting interest in our favorite player? Uh, Hell no. We're looking to get down. Everybody get down. Big head, what's up? How are you and your gigantic entertainment tonight appearing dome living head? If you thought my head couldn't get any bigger, Jim, you should see it now, man. <laughs> I don't need to, man. I already know. I don't know. So what was that whole experience like? Without without letting us in too deep, what was that experience like? It, it, it is crazy. It's insane. It's a different world. And to see it on Entertainment Tonight, what I did in the first story, it's, it's kind of crazy right now. I'm not going to lie. All right, good. Good. You earned it, I think, sort of, kind of. Why don't we start with the Masters? Now, normally you take one of the leaders to hedge your bet, and then you take a few shots at some other guys so you might get paid. The last two majors, that has actually worked out pretty well for you. You took Hawks BFFBDC. You got paid at the U.S. Open. Then DJ turned you a really nice profit at Augusta back in November. Are you playing it the same way now? And if so, who do you like? Man, I sure as hell was, and I was going to use Justin Rose this morning, but he pulled an uh, Ian Poulter on that front nine, Jim, and gassed the thing up a little bit. So thanks, Rit. (laughs) But I'm going to be forced into something right now that I did not want to do, and I'm going to go Jordan Spieth, man, as my hedge. I didn't think he can go back-to-back before this entire thing happened. He hasn't won since 2017. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Can you turn down that music a little bit so I can hear the big head? Thank you. you. Thank you, Rit. All right, so going Spieth as my hedge, Jim. His confidence in putting his back. He's my hedge at plus 750 right now. You can get him. I'm also going to go feed here Patrick Reed, man. He's my other long shot. He plays well at Augusta. Top 10 finish in November. He won it all in 18. You can get him at plus 1,200 right now. And then my longer shot, Webb Simpson. His iron play and putting, it's on point. Two top 10 finishes. He's won a major plus 2,000 for Webb Simpson right now. You're cracking me up, Head. Like, I don't even understand, like, why you would call Patrick Reed feed. What does that even mean? <laughs> He's a little robust, Jim. He's a little robust. He's a little robust. And mm-hmm. do you, in fact, have you even spent one penny of your own money on the Masters, or are you just talking this up so you could get Rit to play Ian Poulter farting? 
No, no, no. I didn't think you'd actually play the sound, but I did. I, I, I played, man. I hit three guys, even money, so you can make some money here. We got three good bets here. You know how I know that that's bullcrap and that's a lie? <laughs> because before the segment started, Rit hit the wrong button, as he always does. And I heard you say to him, hey, uh, old man, have the Ian Poulter sound ready. So don't tell me you didn't think that he was going to play it. You instructed him to play it. And the reason I know is because he had you potted up and I heard it. Where the hell's Alvin when you need him? Dude, don't pod me up until I'm ready to go. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And I, just as I don't know where you are, I don't know where Alvin is. I just know these things happen when the two of you are wherever the hell you are. All right, so that's the Masters. Hopefully we get paid. Can you, can you run that back really quickly? Just run it down. Who, do, who did you hit? Sure. Uh, Jordan Spieth, plus 750. Patrick Reed plus 1,200, and Webb Simpson is my long shot at plus 2,000 right now. Okay, there you go. Let's go to the association. Bulls plus three v. Atlanta. I know you're looking at the Bulls plus three in that game. Who do you like? Do you like the plus three? Who do you like and who do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go against some money here, Jim. I'm going to take the Bulls and the points. I'll take the plus three. I like the Bulls. They are the best away team in the entire NBA against the spread. They cover 75% of their regular season games so far this year. That's code for that Munster kid. He gets his guys up on the road. Also, Atlanta's banged up here. I'm not sure Gallinari or Capella will play again tonight, and if Capella can't go, that's another huge advantage for Chicago because they already don't have John Collins out there. And also, the Bulls got better offensively at the deadline, and they're gelling. They won three straight. I like Chicago. I'm riding with little Eddie Munster and his Bulls. Take the points. Yeah, I got to ask you about the Munster kid. When uh -huh. you look at the NBA and you look to get down, how much of a factor do you think that the Munster kid or any great NBA head coach is night to night? I mean, is that worth a point or more? Matt, yes. Munster is incredible the last two seasons. Him and Chris Paul are the two outliers. If you were to bet the, those two guys, last year they were together in hey, Oklahoma City. Way to get to that today. <laughs> if you were to bet those two last uh, year By in Oklahoma City, you would have made a lot of money. By the way, for the record, you can keep that music as loud as you want. I love that song. Go ahead, It's a great song, too. Yeah, it is. But Munster, dude, he's doing his thing again in Chicago. I mean, I want to take him the job if I was Munster in Chicago, but he always gets the best out of his guys. And if you would have bet him all season long again, you'd be making bank. I also heard you pick up for CP3. Now, that's a guy that a lot of people want to dog. Oh. You, you go the other way. You love that guy. He's generational, Jim. He's, uh, he's surly, and a lot of people don't like him and all that kind of stuff. But every team that guy's played for, they've always gotten better. And he's doing it again this year. Uh, Houston was better. Oklahoma City was better. And then this year in Phoenix, they're way better. Phoenix is like the best team in the entire NBA against the spread, and it's because of Chris Paul again. Big head bets on a Friday. All right, here's another game. Celtics minus eight and a half v. Minnesota. I don't know how you feel about that, but I do know that our new best friends head at mm -hmm. BetQL are all over the Celtics v. T-Wolves. That's a five-star game for them. They love the Celtics minus eight and a half. Do you like that play as much as they like that play? I do, Jim. I actually love all their star plays tonight. They've hit on over 60% of them this past week. They're on fire right now. And they have Boston winning this game by 12 points, a stat from them, too. Under Brad Stevens, the Celtics have gone 37-16 and 16 against the spread after winning their previous games by three points or less. They just beat the Knicks by two, so they love this bet. Also, Boston can get back to 500 with a win here. They've won seven in a row against Minnesota. 
and I like that perimeter D. They should go off against that first overall pick, Anthony Edwards. I'm laying the eight and a half, and I'm going Boston. For the record, I did too. I hit that this morning. So you and I both are on that. One more. Indiana minus four and a half at Orlando. The Pacers hung 141 on the T-Wolves midweek, and we know the Magic went complete fire sale at Mm -hmm. the deadline. Indiana minus four and a half looks pretty damn good to me. How about you? Yeah, yeah, you hit on it. Opposite directions here for the franchise and the scoring points. Um, they make, I, I love this bet for the Pacers here. Indiana can put the ball in the hoop lately, and the Magic haven't all year. Over the past three games, the Pacers are the highest scoring team in the entire NBA. They're scoring over 125 points a game. Only the Cavs have a worse scoring offense than the Magic in the entire NBA. Orlando, I mean, they're getting rid of everybody. I love the Pacers here, minus Four and a half. Really quickly reset all of the NBA picks. Who do you have? The NBA picks I have Bulls plus three, Pacers minus four and a half, and Celtics minus eight and a half. My favorite part of our segment every single Friday, is there anything else that you see that you like? I might get a little uh, puck in tonight, Jim. I like the Avalanche minus one and a half at Anaheim. I haven't hit it yet. I will wait. But uh, the Abs are now the favorite to win the Stanley Cup at plus 350 this year. Anaheim is very good against the spread, but not the best when they're at home. So I'm looking towards Colorado right here. Did you hit any NHL futures? I have not yet because um, I'm still waiting on that. I, I don't like the Avs winning at the plus 350 right now. All right, so if the clones want to follow you for any off-the-air stuff, where do they follow you, Big Head? On Twitter, Jim, at Big Head Bets. All right, do me I a favor. When you Put those hockey. picks. Shut up, Ritt. Put those picks up on Twitter, and I will retweet them. I will do that, and then pod me down, Ritt, you idiot. <laughs> Big Head Bets. Game on. James Kelly, man, Ritt is just taking fire from old people, big-headed people. He's getting some support, though, now. That's James Kelly, big head bets. All right, so we try to do that every single Friday. Now, I I don't want to run the big head under the train. Sometimes when he's not feeling it, he gets a little bit butthurtish about it. Like, he's he's got his reputation and his numbers that he doesn't want to mess with. I'm like, dude. This is how this goes. I mean, you have to come in. Even if you don't feel really strongly about something, it's the segment. You have to do it. Like when I do the NFL today, sometimes they'll say, hey, I need a pick on this game. And I'll think to myself, man, that's a tough game to pick. It's the job, though. You got to pick the game. And by the way, the head is right more than he's wrong. And his content is getting better and better and better. I love him taking up for the Munster kid and CP3. All right, so your reaction to it. Here you go, Rit. Way to get our favorite song in on the same day. I know it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or you're running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting on a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not there yet, you might feel a bit tempted to try to sneak across the tracks. Don't ever do it. To the naked eye, trains appear to be further away and moving slower than they actually are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over one mile to stop. Think about that. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it's going to end in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop.
Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Let's get it. You got to finish strong. You just have to. You will enjoy your Friday much better if you do. Leave it all out there. Let's get into this now. I've often said, and I've been right and I've meant it in the way I've said it. The biggest topic on this show often has been, and probably always will be, the show itself. I didn't set out to make it like that. I don't do it to be lazy. It just is a fact. Or as my friend says, big fact, big fact. With that in mind, I would like to say this. Big fact, poor Gavin. Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. Poor Gavin. If you missed the end of yesterday's program, then you missed a phone call that instantly went into jungle folklore and probably will be reset in some varying degree of frequency until, I don't know, until they put me in the ground. I know these iconic moments when they happen. That was one of them. Gavin's call yesterday does not need to sit on the shelf for five years and wait for some panel of writers and never wars and historians to put it in its rightful place. Is it a first ballot? Is it a second ballot? Like we all know an all-time jungle moment right when it happens. If you don't know Gavin in Illinois, Gavin is a 16-year-old kid who first called this show back in February. And he got run for a terrible take when he said that Frank Vogel sucks as a head coach. Now, normally bad callers with equally bad takes disappear forever the moment they get hit with the manual buzzer and LT starts to sing over their dead carcasses. But the thing about youngsters... And I've seen this, all right? I know this. As I've gotten older and I've had kids of my own, man, they're durable. They're pliable. They're resilient. They bounce back. So then that brings me back to Gavin. Gavin has the voice, you know, the youthful cheer of a 16-year-old kid. And you got a bunch of the old heads around here cracking on him for sounding like a little kid going through puberty live on the air. And he was effectively told by a gawking JTP, the jungle Twitter posse, to come back once his marbles drop. So let's just say that went really badly for old Gav. Bad call, and then he got dragged by the JTP. So what does the kid do? He comes back almost immediately, and he starts cracking on all the boomers. Hey, Jim, so I got a message to the boomer army of clones out there that tried to light me up after my call yesterday for not having a deep enough voice. Let me tell you something, clones. I'm new. I'm fresh. I'm only 16 years old. Yep, some of you called it. The next time you think about cracking me up, just take a deep breath, push that big rectangle box into your VCR, sit down in your dirty recliner, and watch your mash reruns. All right, now, is that the best smack I've ever heard? No. Hell no. Not even close. But the thing is, it didn't need to be. Just the idea of a 16-year-old bouncing right back and calling everybody a bunch of boomers and telling them to jam their rectangle into their VHS and watch their MASH reruns in their dirty recliners was more than enough. I mean, not exactly incendiary. Nobody died with that crackback. But truthfully, it's not so much what he said 
or how he said it, but rather that he said it at all. And I'm not going to lie. This notion of the show having a pissed off caller younger than my own sons waging generational war is actually pretty hilarious to me. It's different. It's fresh. It's funny. And I was not the only one who liked it. In fact, I was not the only one who really liked it because a bunch of the boomers that he went in on tweeted their approval and told him to keep calling. And he did. So one call later, he turns his attention to the oldest member in the jungle, Rit. And the two of them produced one of the funnier moments on air in recent memory when Rit played a drop of Rit during Gavin's call and totally threw the kid off. Take old man Rit, for instance. He doesn't have the capability to drive, but yet he still has a license somehow. Chugging down the road, 1,500 the speed limit in his Oldsmobile. Speaking of old man Rit, I was calling to accept your invitation to the Gavin V. Rit Showdown. Game on. AKA What's that? All right, so again, a few things to unpack. There's that little sound at the front. And you know the funny thing about that sound is every time I hear that sound, I make that sound again. The <laughs> it's me stifling laughter. And also notice from call to call how much deeper Gavin's voice has gotten. Not really, but kind of. But he's, how much more confident he is. Like he's just selling it. Now he's just spitting game. But when you hear that thing start to finish, you have to appreciate how egregious the entire thing is, really. A 16-year-old caller going in on a 61-year-old staffer, and that staffer who is in love with himself and has no filter whatsoever, plays by his own rules, drops a soundbite of himself over the call. Something like that has never happened before. But then again, Rit always does bleep that has never happened before. That's what makes Rit, Rit. But no, we don't do that, Rit. We've never done that. We don't interrupt anybody's call except to run that call when they suck or they cross the line. But notice, you never really hear me interjecting or interrupting somebody's flow. Just as you never hear Alvin messing somebody up on purpose by playing audio over their calls. Much less playing audio of himself over the call. We respect the caller until they give us a reason not to respect the caller and then the caller gets run. But I can promise you this. If you're not getting run, you're not going to hear from any of us during your call. Unless Garrett Ritt is on the board and can't freaking help himself because he's Garrett Ritt. Then this Hall of Fame, industry-leading legacy program that has been around for 30 years and that Ritt rolled into back in 2019 is going to take the rule book for that show and the standards for that show and feed them all right into a paper shredder. Finally. It's like Rit. Like Rit came in here, opened up the drawer in the bedstand next to the bed, pulled out the jungle Bible and said, yeah, none of that applies to me. You know who the hell I am? I'm Rit. Remember this, Rit. Rit's like, I'm Rit. I'm never wrong. You're wrong for even thinking I'm wrong. Take old man Rit, for instance. He doesn't have the capability to drive, but yet he still has a license somehow. Chugging down the road, 1,500 the speed limit in his Oldsmobile. Speaking of old man Rit, 
I was calling to accept your invitation to the Gavin V. Ritt Showdown. Game on. AKA... What's that? What's that? That's Ritt playing a soundbite of himself, kid. Anyway, I haven't even gotten to what happened yesterday. That was last week. Gavin would end up finishing his call, pulled himself together, got himself racked, and got himself onto the smack-off watch list, which means he is one more great phone call away from joining the likes of Ariel Helwani, Chris in Southeastern Wisco, and Paul's dog from ripping a golden ticket. Understand this before I play his attempt at a ticket yesterday. The JTP itself, fickle as hell. They're fine with you getting a little run and having a little fun, but not too much. Because if you do, they will turn. And when they turn, they turn hard. And they turn fast. So at this point yesterday, you had a lot of boomers rooting hard against the kid. They're mad he's on the watch list. They're mad he's getting more confident. They're mad that he's about to reach puberty. They're mad that his calls are getting reset and their tweets are not getting read. They're sick of all the shine somebody other than they themselves are getting. They're alleging ageism. They're suggesting the kid is getting preferential treatment because he's a kid. So believe me, each and every one of them lined their boomer asses up waiting for this kid to light himself on fire. So did he give Boomer Nation exactly what it wanted? Let's find out. Let's finally listen to yesterday's call at the end of the program when Gavin, full of himself, chest pumped out, marbles about to drop, called back to crack Rit for disrupting his flow during his previous call and additionally to take a run at one Manny in Oxnard roll it. Playing sound bites in my call is absolutely genius. I wouldn't have expected anyone to do that, let alone you, Rit. Bold move, old man. But that doesn't change the fact you still suck at your job. Maybe that laser beam of light reflecting off your big bald head is binding you of the fact that the show is so much better when you're not on the controls. Anyway, Rome, I need to talk about something I saw on Twitter the other day. One of those boomers charging at me is good old Manny and Oxnard. I advise staying in your cave on... Sorry, sorry, Rome. Messing up there because I'm a stupid 16-year-old. Ah. That's not a good call. No. Well, I said it yesterday, and I'm going to have to say it once again. That could not have gone much worse for you, Gav. And it could not have gone much better for them, Gav. What I'm saying is, given the context of you being a bleep-talking 16-year-old and having, frankly, at best, very, very average smack, and given how much some of us, including yours truly, Wanted you to do well. And I did. I really did. And so did others. Given all that, it could not have gone any worse. Could not have gone any worse for you, nor any better for them. I mean, there's flaming out, and then there is this. I advise staying in your cave on... Sorry, sorry, Rome. Sorry, Rome, what? What are you, a stupid 16-year-old? I mean, yes, he said so. And if Alvin were here, you would hear it. But the old man is here, and he's already struggling. I mean, there's flaming out, then there's that. Is that Gavin in Illinois, or is that Reggie in the OC? 
Um, but uh, <clears throat> I had to get in on this, man. Um, um, <clears throat> it's it's uh, uh, first off, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, Rome. Uh, honestly, I'm- that is so great. I mean, that that sounds like somebody doing an act. That sounds like somebody doing a bit. That sounds like somebody who's just over the top pretending to be somebody who's not a good caller. When in reality, that was a guy who tried to be a good caller. Um, um, oh, okay, Rome. <clears throat> um, 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 hey, uh, Rome, anyway, um, um, uh, um, um, what I, what I want to say, uh, Rome, Rome, is, um, uh, um, honestly. um, 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 anyway, um, 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 anyway, what I was trying to say, um, 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 I mean, listen to that guy. Like, he was trying. That was not somebody pretending to be a bad caller. That was somebody actually being one of the worst callers ever. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, uh, first off, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, Rome, uh, honestly, I'm- ah! Honestly what, Reggie? Hey, Reggie, honestly what? Normally things like that are painful, but not that. That was just awesome. I wish I had not run him. Had I not run him, he'd still be saying, um, <clears throat> um, um, uh, Rome, off, um, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, Rome, the, the non-fluencies were absolutely amazing. The ratio of ums to throat clears is something to behold. Anyway, I um I um um die um grass um. What I'm trying to say is, there's nothing worse than advising somebody to stay in their cave when you probably could have used that advice more than anybody ever. I advise staying in your cave on... Sorry, sorry, Rome. Um, mm, um, cave, mm, um. I mean, that was really a very, very depressing, self-fulfilling prophecy, wasn't it? I advise staying in your cave on... Sorry, sorry, Rome. Maybe I'm getting soft, but the end of the flame out actually to me was kind of more sad than it was funny. Listen again as Gavin smashes the plane into the side of the mountain and then says for the world to hear, quote, I'm messing up there because I'm a stupid 16 year old. I advise staying in your cave on, sorry, sorry, Rome, messing up there. Because I'm a stupid 16-year-old. Ah. I mean, back in the day, I would have said, yeah, stupid 16-year-old. Tell me something I don't already know. But today, I'm like, man, that's sad. I feel badly for the kid. Here's the thing, though, Gav. And there's going to be some tough love somewhere along the way. I would do it to my own kid. So I have to do it to you, son. You're on a plane. Let me give you an analogy that maybe you can relate to. You've been on a plane before, right, Gav? So you're on a plane, and that plane is plummeting to the earth, and it's scary as hell. And frankly, and you're young, and I I probably shouldn't have this conversation with you because you have your whole life ahead of you, but all of us will leave this planet at some point. None of us really have a say how it is we're going to go. You, son, are on an airplane. That airplane is plummeting. 
and it's headed right to the earth. You really, and that's like your phone call. You're on this plane, you're going straight down, you really only have one option at that point. You put your head between your knees, you say your final prayers, you wait a few more seconds for the ultimate evisceration, and then you get ready to meet your maker, and you explain to him why you spent all your time calling a famous sports talk radio program. That's it. That's all you can do. What you don't want to do is blurt out something that we all already know. I advise staying in your cave on... Sorry, sorry, Rome. Messing up there because I'm a stupid 16-year-old. Now, as you know, I never root. Not for any team, not for any player, not for anything at all, other than something to talk about. And I'll admit it. I don't want to be a hypocrite, and I do not want to be disingenuous. There are certain things that I do root for. I do. You know, I root for my kid. I root for my kid's team. I root for our horses. And frankly, I root for a 16-year-old kid calling this show. I do. I wanted that for Gavin almost as much as Gavin wanted that for Gavin. So that hurt. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that hurt me more than it hurt him because that would be a lie. In fact, it didn't hurt me that much at all. But I know it hurt that kid. But when it happened, my initial thought was, son, stay down. Let him stomp on your head a few more times, and then you play dead. Play dead and stay down, and then they will go away. Because, my man, you do not want to get up, and you do not want to live, and you do not want to fight another day. But then I thought about it for a minute. I thought about it after the program. And then I remembered, folks have come back from great jungle adversity. In fact, they've come back from even worse than that. As an example, Fabian. Take Fabian for an example. Doggy dog. I swear, Rome, it's the most... Oh, man. Okay, okay. Does that sound old school? Because that is old school. That happened years and years and years ago. Fabian bounced back from that. Fabian is the OG of jungle flameouts. He still calls all the time. Not only did he live to fight another day or live to flame another day, he has flamed over and over and over again. And now he's an icon. Kyle in Green Bay. Kyle in Green Bay had one of the most omnipotent flameouts ever. He tried to refer to me as Jim and ended up glossing me as, quote, Drew, the jump man, Jillet. Kyle, good to have you on. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Drew. Oh, man, I'm nervous. How's it going? Really? Really? Were you nervous, dude? I couldn't tell. That dude right there. That dude right there who tried to utter the word Jim and barfed out Drew the Jumpman Gillett. That dude has turned out to be one of the better callers to the program. And not only that, goes right to the front of the line whenever he checks in. I never thought that I would say it, but be like Fabian. Be like Kyle. Bounce back. Don't be like Matt in Cleveland, who never again showed his face around here after doing this. Uh, First of all, being a star linebacker in Canada, that just means you're a failed hockey player. Uh, uh, Christy Alley... Uh, Val Kilmer, global warming. 
Don't be like that guy. Don't be like Matt in Cleveland. Don't be like Dr. Dave, who will always and forever be a punchline around here. Sorry for the late response, Vic, but unlike you, my position in this world has something of substantial community value. While you spend your time uh, perfecting the perfect selfie, I spend my day recovering, saving dying, dying children. <clears throat> oh, sorry, Jim. I'm done. Ah. He spends his day recovering dying children. Listen, I also made the point. That in life, in sports, in MMA, in the jungle, and most of all in life, everybody gets their ass kicked. Everybody. Nobody leaves this planet undefeated except sex. It is the only thing that is undefeated. The undefeated, untied, heavyweight champion in the history of the world sex everybody else gets their ass beat same thing on this show brad and corona best caller ever has gotten run rick in buffalo who you heard earlier today he will be in the jungle hall of fame one day in fact before he retires i'm gonna wave the waiting period for this guy he's that good He had a golden ticket ripped before he finished second the next year. What I'm saying is there are enormous redemption stories in the jungle. Keep in mind, the BIC is the best to ever do it. Rick is a future Hall of Famer. It's happened to them. Now, I'm not going to say you've got their kind of game, Gav, because you don't. I'm not comparing you to them, Gav, because I can't. What I am saying is even they got punched in the face. Even they got their asses kicked. And they came back. You'll never know unless you try. But this much I do know. Some of the biggest setbacks in the history of the show, in the history of sports, in the history of the world, have set up for even bigger comebacks. My advice to you, Gavin, don't stay in your cave. I advise staying in your cave on... Sorry, sorry, Rome. Learn from it, battle back, bounce back, because while everybody likes a flame out, everybody loves a comeback. Stay in there, kid. Good night now!